Well, as Jason and uh, we've sung today, we're, we're talking, we're in a season uh, studying the Advents, studying the comings of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Not only the coming in a manger, but, but the coming that is to come. That one day He is coming back. That God is preparing right now uh, His bride of His Son. And one day He is coming back. And I want this month, as Daniel led us in, in singing this morning, I want us uh, to adore Christ. That's the culmination. I want us to adore Christ. Not just, not just look upon Him, not just know He's there, not, not just say He came in a, in a, in a manger, He was born, not, not just know all the truths, but to adore it. And, and, I, and I liken it to the fact of today... We're going to look at two, two truths regarding peace. And, and one is a, a positional peace, and the other is an experiential peace. And, and I would liken it to the fact that there, there are many people in this world that are married. They're married. But, but there's a lot of marriages that are not experiencing the joy of being married. Maybe even in this room today there are people who marriages are not what you want them to be, not what they should be. Maybe you have loved ones whose marriages are not what you would want them to be, not what they should be. You know, there's a big difference between simply being married and experiencing the joy of being married. Positionally, you're married. You, you've got a ring on your finger. You've got a certificate from the state of wherever you got married that says you're married. Hey, there's no arguing that. But are you experiencing what, what God intended a marriage to be? And that's what I want to talk about today. Peace. With regards to peace. There, there's a lot of us in this room, hopefully all of us in this room, ha have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ through His shed blood on the cross. Through believing upon that, that we deserve to be on that cross, and yet... Christ died for us. Not only that, that one day He's going to return for us. But does that impact your life every day? Has that relationship transferred to where it impacts every moment of every day that you're experiencing what it means to be a child of the King? That every day is impacted because you're a child of the King? It ought to be. You know, the fact that God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to be, to be born in a lowly manger, to, to grow up and be despised, to be hated, to take everything that we deserve because of our sin, and He's offered us the crown. That ought to change the way we live every day, but we've got to experience that. He, he has offered us peace, but we've got to apply that to our life. We have to live by faith. We have to trust that every day. Good times, bad times. Just like I said, in, in, in the world, there's a lot of talk about peace, but it's, for the most part, absent. Why is that? And that's what I want to look at today. Not only, not only how do we achieve peace, but how do we experience peace? And I want that peace to, to transfer not only this time of year, but I want it to change all of our years. 
that no matter what we go through, no matter what we face, no matter what we battle, no matter what, we're, we, no matter what we walk through, I mean, there are, there are uh, people in here that have had a long haul of tough times. And yet, how do they maintain peace in that? That's what I want to talk about today. And it's through taking this word and believing it and applying it. There's no magic formula, if you will. There's nothing I can sprinkle over. You're going to have to take this word. You're going to have to devour this word. And you're going to have to trust that what it says is true. You're going to have to adore the God of this Bible. You're going to have to filter everything that you face, everything you face, through what this word has to say. And you're going to have to trust that what this word says is true. What this word says is real. And it applies to you. And the same God that was faithful all throughout this Old Testament is the same God that's going to be faithful to you. The same God that would, would, would put His Son on the cross to shed His blood for your sins is the same God that wants to walk you through everything that this world has to throw at you to get you to doubt, to wonder, to question whether that's real. Satan has come to steal, to kill, and destroy. And God says, in this world you will have trouble, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. Do you believe that? That nothing that you can face will separate you from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. That's what Satan wants you to believe. In the midst of these trials, in the midst of these troubles, in the midst of all these things, God does not really love you. That's what he wants you to doubt. But when you face that, you take this word and you, says, you say, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up, how will he not also freely give us all things? He who is for us, if God is for us, how can anyone be against us? That, that Hebrews 13 says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's where peace comes from. And as we've said before, we've got to interpret God based on this Bible and not our circumstances. Don't interpret God based on your circumstances. You interpret your circumstances based on who this Bible says God to be. And oftentimes we get that backwards. We interpret God based on our circumstances. No, we interpret our circumstances based on God and then we can have peace. So I want to look at that today and dig in and just show us and remind us what the Bible has to say about peace. And, and again, I want to look at it from two aspects. I want to look at it from a positional peace, but also from an experiential peace. I, I want us all to walk, my dream would be that we all walk out of here, number one, married to the Lord Jesus Christ through faith in His death, burial, and resurrection for our sin. That nobody would walk out of here without having traded in their sins for Christ's forgiveness and wholly leaning their life upon that. But I want us all to walk out of here once we've done that, that that peace that that brings changes us every day. It changes what we walk through every day. It changes how we face every day. Because it ought to. And we'll see in here, Jesus is leaving and He says, Do not be troubled. I go to prepare a place for you. If it were not so, I would have told you. And what does he say? I'm coming back. It's good that I leave you. Why? Because I'm preparing a place for you and I'm coming back for you. We've got to trust that. We have to apply that to our life every day and know that, you know what? God is preparing a bride for His Son today. 
and every day. And one day he's coming back for that bride. So let's dig in here. Peace. Peace. On your handout, I've already given, given them the hand the number one and number two away. So some, some of you, I know you like to guess as to what the, what the handout. One of these days, we're going to do a little trivia question. And I'm just going to like raise your hand. and uh, I love to watch Family Feud. Anybody in here like to watch Family Feud? I love to watch Family Feud. I love I loved to guess, especially at the, the end of the show for the $20,000 where they're trying to guess the number one answers. I feel like sometimes that's how y'all are treating this handouts. Hey, man, that was number eight on the list. He was going to get to that one. So, uh, but I, I, love to, I love to watch that show. If, 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 I hope that doesn't offend anybody that I enjoy, to watch, I enjoy watching Family Feud. So, uh, um, but uh, I, I, just, I love when you put people in pressure situations and there's a time clock on and you ask them a question. I just love to hear the answers they give. Pressure can do some crazy things to us. I, I saw the other day, just a side note, this is where ADD kicks in and not real good. This is why sermons end up being 55 minutes instead of 35, but they said, name a three-letter animal, and the woman said, alligator. <laughs> three-letter animal. She said, alligator. What you gonna do? Her, the bad news is her, her partner, her partner said something like, uh, it, I, like elephant or something like that. And Steve Harvey's looking at him like, what do y'all do? Anyway, side note, take that out of the tape, please. Can you edit that out of the... What goes online? But anyway, family feud. Positional peace. Back to peace. Back to peace. Positional peace. Here's the point with regards to positional peace. You see it there on your handouts. As believers, as believers, we stand firm at peace with God because of the blood of Christ that covers our sin and reconciles us to God. We can have peace with God alone through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Please hear that. I hope that becomes very clear here as we, as we expound upon this first point. There is no peace apart from Jesus Christ. There is no peace apart from being in a right relationship to Jesus Christ. You know, I, 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 as I think about that, think about that family feud, you ask 10 people, I guarantee if you ask 10 people to describe peace, you would get 10 different answers. They'd be all over the board. But the number, if you ask the world about peace, they may have different answers, but there is a common theme that would run through them all, and it's always based, worldly peace is always based on external forces. It's almost always based on the external. Here's what I mean by that. As long as the economy is good, as long as my family is good, as long as the job front is good, as long as our finances are good, as long as our relationships are good, then we're at peace. Those are all external. If, if we think things are as they should be, if the world is as we think it should be, if our circumstances in life are controllable, if everything in life is, is kind of the way that we would have it, if we can explain it, if we're, if we're cool with it, peace. We got peace. The moment that checkbook dips, dips below the Mendoza line, the moment that our relationships waffle, the, the moment that our kids don't behave in such a way that make us look like we're the best parents in the whole wide world, which we know we're not, hey, 
As long as that's going good, we're peace. Peace is almost always in the world attached to an external environment, and it's always temporal. It is temporal and unsteady. Not only is worldly peace based on external forces, because of that, it is temporal and unsteady. It doesn't last. Moment by moment, it doesn't last. It, it, will, not, it will not walk you through the death of a spouse. Worldly peace will not. It will not walk you through the loss of your health. It will not, worldly peace will not walk you through the loss of your finances. Worldly peace will not walk you through the loss of a child. Worldly peace will not walk you through the sickness and, and, and that that goes with the child or, or maybe them making horrific decisions that you would not... Worldly peace doesn't walk you through that. You walk through those things without Jesus Christ, trust me, you got no peace. Isaiah 48.22 says, There is no peace for the wicked. Isaiah 48.22, no peace for the wicked. Before a relationship with God, there is no peace. Man has no peace. We enter into this world. I was born into this world. You were born into this world as enemies, as adversaries of God. No peace. We were at war. It was Chris versus a holy God at war. Look at Romans 5.10. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved by His life. Listen, but look, look at the situation. When did God send His Son to die for us? What was the status of our relationship between us and God? The situation between us and God was what? Enemies. It wasn't, hey, while we were buddies, while we were best friends... While we were on good footing relationally, no, no, while we were enemies. Hostility. My sin, your sin, brought hostility between us and a holy God. Hostility. You go all the way back to Adam and Eve. Don't, you can eat from any tree of the garden but this one. Guess what the one they ate from was the one they were told not to. What did God do? He threw them out of the garden. Hostility. But yet, in a picture of grace, in a picture of the gospel, you look at Roman, uh, Genesis 3, 15 and 16, and God gives a forbearance of the gospel. And what did God do? God killed an animal, He sacrificed an animal, and He clothed them before He put them out of the garden. That was a picture. A picture. One day, I'm going to do that for all mankind. It was grace. And, and even in the midst of our great hostility, God has offered peace between Himself and man. And the whole Old Testament looks forward to the coming of Christ in a manger. The whole Old Testament looks forward to God sending His Son to be that ultimate sacrifice, the one and only sacrifice. In, in the Old Testament, they, they, um, they had tons of sacrifices. I, many of you ladies walked through, uh, you just did the patriarchs, but you walked through an uh, amazing collection. You can get real frustrated trying to figure out those Old Testament sacrifices and follow them. And, and, and you know, Leviticus talks about not boiling a, a goat in its mother's milk and all this crazy stuff. You, but the point, it was always a picture. The Old Testament sacrifices were a picture. Man is sinful, God is holy, and because of that chasm, someone's got to die. And in the Old Testament, it was an animal. And the point of all those Old Testament sacrifices, they were a picture that one day God would send the ultimate sacrifice, His Son. 
One day, Hebrews, Hebrews, I believe it's 9, says, Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. One day, God would send His Son to be the ultimate reconciler. The once-for-all reconciler. In the Old Testament, they had many, many, many different offerings. But, but there's an important lesson to be learned there. And here's the point. No one offering could fully sum up everything that we have today in Christ. No one offering would fully grasp uh, an accurate picture of what God was going to do one day in sending His Son to die for us on a cross. And, and what we have to see is that Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, they serve to accomplish many different functions. One of which is peace. One of which is peace. Christ's death accomplished a lot, a, a ton on our behalf. And that was why in the Old Testament you had many, many, many different offerings. Each offering was a picture of a function that Christ's ultimate death would pay for us. And if we're honest, we tend to bunch. We tend to just bunch a whole bunch of benefits, a whole lot of the benefits of the work of Christ instead of dealing with them one at a time. You know, the Old Testament saint had a very, very accurate picture of of everything that God offered to His people. All the, the different benefits and blessings. For us, because, because in the Old Testament they had a different offering. For us, we look to Christ. Every single Old Testament saint that offered a sacrifice to God, every single one of those sacrifices offered a, 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 represented a blessing that they received from God. That was the point. It was a representation of a blessing that they received from God. Every single offering was associated with a particular blessing. For us in the New Testament, all those blessings are in one offering, Jesus Christ. But that's why we go to the Word, because the Word explains everything that we've received in that offering. And every single time in the Old Testament, they would, they would offer an offering. They were given the privilege and, the, and the, the, the moment to pause and to focus on a different, a particular blessing of Christ. That's what we're trying to do this December. Last week it was hope. This week it's peace. I want us to pause to think for 30, 45 minutes on peace. The peace that we have through Christ. The blessing that we have through the sacrifice of Christ. Peace. Peace with God. Peace on earth and goodwill to men. Peace in the midst of everything we face. And all of the Old Testament offerings and God eventually in the New Testament sending His Son in the form of a baby in a manger, all of those pointed to one thing. God was reconciling a lost sinful humanity, His lost sinful creation. He was reconciling them back to Himself. He was restoring a broken lost relationship. And the only way that could be done was through the shedding of blood. That's why you have all the Old Testament sacrifices. That's why they were looking forward to the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. That's Christ. The term peace, uh, throughout, throughout the Bible, the term peace really describes wholeness. If you were going to sum up the word peace in one word, it would be wholeness. God, through sending Jesus Christ to die once and for all for everyone in sin, He has made a wholeness available to a relationship that was broken. 
God and His creation were separated. Peace also refers to the condition of acceptance. If you look, we won't, but back at Leviticus 19.5, they're talking about the offering and it says, so that you will be accepted. Through Christ, God has accepted me. My sin was cast totally upon Jesus Christ, separated as far as the east is from the west by me placing my faith in Jesus Christ and not myself. And through that, God has accepted me. There's peace. In the Old Testament, it's interesting. They actually had, one of the offerings that they had was called a peace offering. Well, that that peace offering was an antitype. It was a foreshadowing that one day Jesus Christ would be sent and Jesus Christ would be our ultimate peace offering. They had to continually over and over and over and over again sacrifice animals. Can you imagine in that time in the Old Testament, blood was everywhere and that was the point. Sin is messy. Sin has a high cost. And not only that, the one offering of my son, Jesus Christ, God said, is going to cover up a lot of sins. And Jesus Christ is our peace offering. Look, this was foreshadowed all throughout the Old Testament. Look at Psalm 37, verses 34 through 40. Wait for the Lord and keep His way, and He will exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you will see it. I have seen a wicked, violent man spreading himself like a luxuriant tree in its native soil. Then he passed away, and lo, he was no more. I sought for him, but he could not be found. Mark the blameless man, and behold the upright. For the man of peace will have a posterity, but the transgressors will be altogether destroyed. The posterity of the wicked will be cut off. But the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their strength in time of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in Him. Peace. We have peace in Jesus Christ. The, you can look at Isaiah 26, verses 1 through 4. It talks about the peace that was to come in Christ. The Old Testament saints knew that the coming Messiah would be the reconciler of man and God. That he would provide the peace that they were looking for. Isaiah 9, 6. Jason, Jason referenced it today. Look at Isaiah 9, 6. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. That's Christ. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Peace begins with God, it originates with God, and it only comes from a right relationship with God. Left to our sin, there is no peace. Positionally, there is no peace if we are still in our sin. And in the offering of the peace offering, the Israelite was benefited from the peace. The benefit of that was peace of knowing and experiencing God's forgiveness. That was the peace offering. They would, offering. They would know and experience God's forgiveness. But it was more than that, because see, it wasn't that God's peace was, that it wasn't that, that, that God's uh, wrath or anger was appeased. It was that now God was for them. It went way, please understand it, it's not that God just set my sin away and doesn't count my sin for me anymore because I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. God is now for me. You see the peace? 
It's not that he just took away my sin. He adopted me. He took me in as his own. He took responsibility for taking care of me as a believer. So it's more than just, so it's more than just saying, oh, I, you know what, my sin is taken away. I, I have peace with God. He's, he is for me. His favor rests upon me, believer. Jesus Christ is our peace in that sense. It's not that, again, it's not that just my sin was done away with. God took possession of me, responsibility. His favor rests on me. And the peace offering, it, it, it showed, it went way beyond simply establishing, hey, everything's good on, a, on an earthly level or around me. If by placing your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, God is no longer angry with the one who has identified with that sacrifice. No longer enemies, it says. But not only that, he goes way beyond that. Not only is he no longer angry, he is favorably disposed to you, believer. Favorably disposed. And you see, that's sometimes where our forgiveness falls short. We forgive somebody, but we don't want to be favorably disposed to them. So see, see we take our earthly view of, of forgiveness and peace and transform it to God. No, he goes way beyond that. Not only is he no longer angry at you, he's for you. He's favorably disposed to you. And because of that, because of that, that no lo- not only is God no longer angry with me if you have placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ... God is favorably disposed towards me. Because of that, we can have peace. Knowing that God's favor is directed toward us. It's not that just God saved us and then sent us off on our own as orphans. He saved us and took us in, took responsibility. His favor is directed toward us. Peace. There's peace there. It's not like, hey, your sins are forgiven. Hope it works out. Hope you find some place, hope, hope, hope your needs are met. No, hey, it's your sins are forgiven, and I'm going to take on that responsibility myself. I'm going to adopt you. I'm going to give you my name. I'm going to, through circumstances and through all this, I'm going to mold my character in you so that you look like me. That's peace. Not only is God not angry with us, He bestows His favor upon us. And that all goes back to Christ. If we have identified with Christ. In the Old Testament, when they sacrificed an animal, they would place their hand on that animal before they sacrificed it. They were identifying that that animal represented their sin. Have you placed your hand upon Christ? Have you identified and have you truly identified that Jesus Christ is the propitiation, the payment for your sins? That's the picture. Christ alone provides the peace. And when we, by grace, repent of our sin, we are no longer enemies of God. And, and, and there's a peace that, that, that overrides our life, that, that sits above our life because of who we are in Christ. We're His. Look at, look at Romans 5, 1 and 2. Therefore... Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. 
and we exult in hope of the glory of God. I mean, not only are we justified, but we've been introduced. Come on in. Come on in. It would be as if Bradley and Sarah, they go make a new friend and they bring him to the door and they say, Hey, Daddy, this is my friend such and such. You know what I say to them? Come on in. Hey, you, you know my son or daughter? You have a relationship with my son or daughter? Well, guess what? You're welcome in. Come on. Come on in. Guess what? Bradley and Sarah get a snack. Guess what, guess what their friends get? Their friends get a snack. Bradley and Sarah get a drink. Guess what? They get a drink. See, the blessings that God has bestowed upon His Son, He bestows upon you because guess what? You and I, through faith in Christ, we're His sons and His daughters. The Bible says we're co-heirs. There's peace there. Bradley's friends come in, or Sarah's friends come into our house. They're not worried. Why? Because they have a relationship with my son or daughter. Therefore, they have a relationship with me. They're rightly related to my son or daughter. Therefore, they're rightly related to me. That's us. And so the, the, in contrast to the world's peace being external, for the Christian, peace is an internal presence because of a relationship that exists. It's an internal presence. He, Christ lives inside of us in the Holy Spirit. We know deep down whose we are, who we are, and because of that, we have peace. The, the biblical picture of peace has nothing to do with circumstance. Quite the contrary. In, in the presence of great situation and circumstances that you should have no peace, that's the, that's the testimony of the Holy Spirit living inside of us that we do have peace. It is based upon a position. It's based upon the fact that the Bible tells me unequivocally by placing my faith in Jesus Christ, I have been adopted. I am God's, and He is mine. I'm in Him, and He is in me. And the gospel alone is what takes a person who is at war with God and makes them at peace with God. It's the gospel alone. It's not doing good. You know, to take the illustration, those boys or girls that Bradley and Sarah meet, they could stand in our front yard and they could do anything they want to do. If we don't know them by relationship, if I don't say, Bradley, Sarah, do you know them? I don't know them, Daddy. Well, all right, all right they ain't coming in. You can do whatever you want to do in the front yard. You can do whatever you want. You're not coming in. There's no relationship. It's the same with the Word of God. It's not doing good. It's not being good. It's a right relationship. It's admitting that you could never be good. And that's, that's, that's what is sitting in a manger in Bethlehem. Mine and yours reconciliation. Mine and yours peace offering. And God taking the initiative to do that. Look at Ephesians 2, 13 through 18. A beautiful passage on, on what we have in Christ. Listen to this. Ephesians 2, 13-18, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were formerly far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For He Himself is our peace, who made both groups, as Jew and Gentile, into one, and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall. 
by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of commandments contained in the ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace, and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross, by it having put to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you, who were far off, and peace to those who were near. For through Him, listen to this, through Him, that is Christ, we both have our access in one Spirit to the Father. Just like the illustration, you know how you get in my house? Through a relationship. It's either through, it's a relationship with four people. It's through Karen, through Chris, through Bradley or Sarah. You know how you get into heaven? It's through a relationship, but there's only one person. It's Jesus Christ. Peace. The foundation of true peace has always rested upon a right relationship to Jesus Christ through faith in His death, in His burial, in His resurrection, and through the fact that one day He's coming back for us. That's why we live the way we live now, because one day He's coming back. And whether we die and go to see Him or whether He comes back and meets us, He says, I want you to be found faithful. And ultimate peace, ultimate peace, hear me, is found in being reconciled to God. That's where ultimate peace is found, in being reconciled to God. It's, it's, it's not found anywhere else. Look, no more sacrifices are needed. It's faith. We don't sacrifice animals anymore. Why? Because Jesus Christ was sacrificed. He was the final sacrifice, the once for all. Look at 1 Peter 3.18 to see this. For Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, so that He might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. You see, He died for sins once and for all, the just for the unjust. What was the goal? To bring us to God. That's reconciliation. Reconciliation is taking two parties that are spread apart and you're making them whole again. Reconciliation. Look at Hebrews 7, 26 and 27. For it was fitting for us to have such a high priest, holy, innocent, undefiled, this is Christ, separated from sinners and exalted above the heavens, who does not need daily, like those high priests, to offer up sacrifices, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people, because this he did once for all when he offered up himself. Once for all. Jesus gave himself up for us. Look, look at Romans 8.1. Therefore there is now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. Guess what that teaches me? Before I had a relationship with Christ Jesus, what was there? Condemnation. Condemnation. There was once deserved condemnation because of our sin, but God sent His Son in love to die to end the condemnation. To pay the penalty that the condemnation... was. He didn't just sweep it under the rug. He cast it all upon His Son. The debt was paid by Christ. He didn't just, he didn't just say, oh, just forget. No, He paid it. Christ paid it. And He, he came as a baby in a manger with a view towards a cross. 
He came as a baby, but he was all the time looking towards the cross because he was sent for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him shall never, never perish but have everlasting life. His whole purpose for coming was to die on a cross. That little baby in a manger knew all along he was destined to die on a cross. It's the whole reason he came. And through Him, by placing our faith and trust upon that baby who grew up to be a man who died on a cross and is one day coming back for us, we can have peace. True peace, but it's only through Christ. He did for us the very thing that we could have never accomplished on our own. And He did it out of love. And the beauty is that it, 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 the peace does not stop there. It's not just peace in a positional sense. It wasn't just, okay, I made you right, now get on with it. I hope you have, you know, good luck. By the way, it's bad luck to be superstitious. But uh, he says, you know, good luck. Hope it works out for you. Hope you make it. Hope that peace lasts. That's not what God did. We can have peace every day in everything we face because of what Jesus offers us. And that's our experiential peace, not just a positional peace, an experiential peace. As we walk with Christ day to day, as we spend time in His Word day to day, as we meet regularly with believers, as we pray, as we do these things, God gives us an experience.